Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As I said at the top of the show, doing things slightly differently. We normally uh, feature this about 20 to 11, but uh, bringing to the top of the program at the bulletin for today as we uh, buzz over a variety of topics to set the day up before we open the lines to you. And I can think no better person to join us on the show. Rugby writer, author, just thoroughly good bloke. Here's Jamie Wall. Hello, Jamie. Thanks for returning. Uh, morning, mate. It's, it's a bit early, though. I had to... Get up, get up out of bed for bed for this this time. Jeez, what do you call this? Oh, the, did the butler bring in the phone? <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> it was freshly squeezed orange juice, something like that. Uh, no, nothing like yeah. that, mate. Not on, not on what I'm getting. <laughs> hey, um, World Rugby reportedly admits to the All Blacks that Aaron Smith tried the Royal Cup final shouldn't have been disallowed. I think we kind of already knew that it should not have been disallowed. Uh, does this matter to you? And I, I understand it from a news value perspective. It's a really good story. Um, ticks a lot of boxes. I, I'm just not sure how I should feel or how we should feel about it. I, I've painted the picture how I feel about it, but how do you think New Zealanders are going to feel? Uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I understand why people would want to know this, but at the same time, we already kind of did know it. It's just confirming what we already saw. In fact, if I remember correctly, didn't it get brought up on the commentary at the, at the time that they shouldn't have been able to go as far back as they did to to check that? But then at the same time, it was a knock-on. Like It, it should have been picked up in the first place. So uh, just one of those weird situations where two wrongs kind of did make a right. And then also the All Blacks scored like four minutes later in the same spot. So... I don't think it's quite as big of a howler as you know some other infamous refereeing decisions have been over the years, uh, in, in my opinion, anyway. Um, and and also just the fact that it's a it's a a source that's been kept secret and that it's fine, you know, like good work by Paul Cully for getting getting that information. But really, without any context around it, it, it kind of could have been anything. You know, it, it, uh, well, if World Rugby admitted it, what does that mean? Just someone wearing a World Rugby polo shirt said so on the on the, <laughs> at the airport on the, what, before the All Blacks left, or or what? Like, what? What? what if, unless I hear something sort of official from World Rugby saying, like, yeah, we we messed that up and we're going to fix it in the future, then it's just going to be part of this this story that <clears throat> we we're kind of dragging out a little bit. And in my opinion, it's like the All Blacks lost the game. It's done. The Springboks won the World Cup. I don't think if if for some reason that they came out and admitted they got it wrong, it's not like they're going to reverse the result or replay the game, is it? No. 
And, and haven't we shown a bit of maturity as a sporting public this time around? Like, the reaction is not 2007, right? I, I felt we've sort of moved on and accepted things quite well by our standards. Oh, I think so. And I think we talked about this last time. That I think because most New Zealanders didn't actually think the All Blacks were going to even make the final, um, that losing it by one point was sort of seems more of like a heroic uh, defeat rather than a um, you know absolute calamity and let's all start pointing the finger at, at people. When to, to be honest, there, there were a few fingers to be pointed. I mean, if you look at what how that game actually unfolded, it, it should really go down as one of the most calamitous All Black losses of all time. Uh, but because of the circumstances in which the team got there, and, and the and you know I'm talking about over the last sort of few years. Uh, I think that's what's given um, all black fans kind of more of like a giving it a pass mark, which is a, a bit strange, to be honest. Like in my opinion, it, it does kind of show uh, the the way in which New Zealanders engage uh, with rugby at the moment and the sort of uncritical um, thought processes that go around consuming it as a product and engaging with it as a as a uh, an entity, uh, if that makes sense, you know, like it's, it, 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 you say you talk about maturity and everything. To me, it's like, yeah, that, that's correct, but at the same time, I would also put disinterest uh, in that in that category. That, that it's, it's okay to just sort of be like, oh, well, you know, they lost. Like, let's get on with life. Like, it doesn't really bode well for the future of it as uh, as a national sport. Yeah, I understand that perspective for sure, and we'll get into engagement and how they're engaging it in just a moment or two. But as I said in my sermon, I, I, and critics of New Zealand media and New Zealand fans will say, this is sour grapes, we're not getting over it. Uh, when I say things like, the re-refereeing of games in real time is a, it, it is a legitimate issue that all rugby fans probably need to accept, right, as far as impacting the spectacle. The spectacle is pretty darn important to any sport. <coughs> Correct, but at the same time, <clears throat> it always has been. Uh, I mean, I was just on Twitter uh, this morning, and um, someone brought up the the Bob Dean's non-try in 1905, uh, and I mean that's how long refereeing controversies have existed with the All Blacks since literally the first uh, All Black touring <laughs> team. And if you think it's going away, it, 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 this is a new thing. Like you really need to go read some books because this is this is something that's happened every time the All Blacks would go to South Africa. Uh, we saw it in the you know 1990s with Con Hawk. It, it's it's it, 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 as far back as you go. Uh, rugby fans have talked about referees, and to you know, <laughs> given what happened last week with bloody Nigel Owens, <laughs> I don't want to get into this too much. But like, no, no, I, part- I think it. I, I, I think it's a sign of may, may, maybe some of the fans are the issue, Jamie. Uh, I mean, well, yes, but uh, again, like this is a sport that kind of relies on subjectivity and interpretation. And yes. if you're going to run it as, a, as an entertainment product, uh, fans have to have that subjectivity uh, of, of their own. And that's what people talk about. That's what makes it uh, uh, an interesting thing. You know, that's makes what, uh, it's what makes people want to see what happens next and buy Sky subscriptions and listen to it on the radio and, and, you know, therefore keep sustaining it as a professional product. You can't have one without the other. You can't expect us to just sit there like it's church and not say anything about what we're hearing and seeing. Like, that's not how it works. Sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good points. Jamie Wall is with us. This is the Bulletin. A couple uh, other rugby issues. Participation numbers are up for female players. Coaches and referees, junior male player numbers, though, continue to decline. Um, so there's, there's a lot for the game to consider. Yeah, yeah, there is. And it's a challenge at the moment at um, junior and grassroots level. But I don't think that's new. I don't think that... Um, I, I, To be perfectly honest, um, the numbers are actually... Uh, have been increasing overall since COVID, and I don't think you know we can really underestimate what effect that had um, just uh, on grassroots sport, given the effect that it had on just all of our lives, like down to the most minute um, detail. <clears throat> and we're not really going to know the full effects of that for a few more years. And to their credit, you know, NZ Rugby have made a lot of changes uh, to the way that they engage with with kids and at college and at grassroots level, and those are continuing to be implemented uh, overall. So, I mean, it, it's it's not an easy fix. Um, you know, rugby as a sport right now, um, given the way that society is, is, not, is, is kind of a hard sell if, you're, if your family has not been involved with it uh, throughout its generations. Like, obviously, a lot of the player, the kids playing now is because their dads played or their brothers played. Or, yeah. Or, and that, that's what they do as a family on the weekends. And because of the shifting demographics from New Zealand, you know, you're seeing a lot of people that are completely uh, new to the game. Um, and that's not just uh, people who have immigrated to New Zealand. That's just um, people who whose uh, connection to the game fell off uh, over the last uh, sort of 20 years. And a lot of that's rugby's fault. A lot of that is just a sign of the times. Um, and I think that, you know, we need to just keep working uh, as not just not just New Zealand rugby's uh, situation, but just us as the media as well to kind of present it as, as something that is changing as well because I think the perception of it, of rugby as a sport, and the participation uh, go, go hand in hand. Uh, NZR Plus, uh, they launched that in August, didn't they, as we talk about engagement. They haven't sat idly, done nothing. Uh, quite, quite a big venture that has, you know, um, cost a fair bit to get up and running. This is their streaming service. Um, but what, is Uptake, what, laboured, fair to say? Yeah, I think um, they're obviously finding out that breaking into a market, like a streaming market, is not easy. Uh, I don't think anyone <clears throat> probably thought it would be. Uh, but given how the sort of troubles that the likes of Netflix and Disney Plus have <clears throat> in getting subscribers and people to stay on with them, that if you're a startup in that area and in a very neat, let's face it, a very niche you know, um, product that you're putting out there, then if those big ones are having those sort of problems, what sort of issues are you going to be facing? Um, and I think they're finding that out. Um, like, you can't... I think they've they've tried hard in terms of like production values. Like the, like you said, they've put a lot of money into it. They've sent a lot of people over there. Uh, but the most interesting thing to come out of that story was obviously the lack of access uh, that they got. And you know as well as I do what it's like to be over there uh, and to have very little access uh, to the All Blacks. And it was very surprising that they hadn't managed to figure out some sort of way of getting more than what the rest of us were getting, which was simply to sit in the press conference and ask questions. Um, and really it meant that their, their content on the ground at the World Cup really had no point of difference uh, at all. And they're already kind of struggling because it is a struggling with the fact that, you know, as a news source, they're owned by the people that, are, that they're reporting on. 
And so therefore it's like, it's not really particularly a objective point of view, is it? Um, in saying that though, I, I do think that if they get it right in terms of um, getting archive footage and putting that out, uh, you know, really tapping into at the moment, which is actually kind of a, a kind of ironic um, feeling at the moment that, you know, we, we get very nostalgic about, you know, early 90s, uh, you know, rugby in the 1990s and the 1980s and things. If they can get their hands on that sort of footage and put it together in a way that really taps into, you know, people our age who grew up on thinking that that's the greatest rugby ever played and, you know, like yeah. Jonah was yeah. playing and stuff like that. And, like, let's face it, like, that is when Super Rugby was the best. Was that know, Because that's, yeah. when, that's what we remember it being. And they can use that to actually um, fuel interest in the current competition because it'll get guys like us being like, damn, Super Rugby was good back in the day. Like, maybe I can, and if they can tie it into what's happening now, you know, like, because I think that's what rugby is, has never really been very good at is, is taking its past and, and, and continuing on the narrative uh, linking it up to to what's happening now, so I think that that's that's where they really should be focusing on. It's some free consultancy for NZR, thanks to Jamie Wall. Um, will you be? Will Jeeves be hand feeding you grapes late into the night in the early morning as you watch the Black Caps take on India? What's your care factor on that? <laughs> well, that is my job, so yes, I will be watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gearing up for a late night. Uh, tonight, hence why I slept in um, this morning. Uh, so I, uh, I, I think that we're going to have a pretty fair idea of who's going to win when the toss is done, though, um, given that's what I've been hearing, uh, and the stats around um, runs scored, batting first and batting second uh, in the tournament in Mumbai. So I think, um, you know, if the Black Caps are first, they've got a bloody good chance. Um, if they don't... Um, I might just sort of have to set the alarm for some time early in the morning and wake up and see how many wickets we've lost. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like lots of talk about this being a huge potential for an upset. I think they can do it. Um, they've done it before. They did it at the last World Cup. Um, probably not in quite the same sort of circumstances. Obviously, India weren't playing at home at the time. Um, and also, I'd like to think about that maybe it's, it's, it's kind of similar to the World Test Championship as well. Not many people gave us a sniff. Of, of that one um, and uh, you know if there's one team that can knock over India on a big occasion the Black Caps have proven they can do it so why not this time Hey one last one mate and I've only just seen the headlines myself and read a couple of paragraphs here so I'm thinking on my feet uh, the code wars in Australia the potential code wars here with uh, the NRL suggesting there's going to be a salary cap relief outside of the cap to side, sign cross code stars um, I don't know what that exactly means whether it's AFL rugby players people in other countries, uh, it's, it's fascinating and interesting. But apparently club bosses um, are a little bit weary of this uh, plan. You know what, if I was one of the players, though, in the NRL going, I was thinking, you've got all this extra money, why aren't you giving it to us, you know, the stars, the current stars? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a really good point, considering the, the amount of crap that caused last season with the, um, the Players Association rift and the eventual media ban that, that came on. Uh, personally, I think this is just a bit more of a swinging dick move from the NRL. Um, they've purposely said um, code wars uh, because they don't want to mention rugby union specifically because they don't want to know that they, they hold them in that high regard. Uh, and uh, but uh, but what I, what I do what I do think is that they're, they're just trying to get get that out there first because obviously rugby Australia's strategy over the next four years is to entice uh, a bunch of rugby league NRL players on. They haven't been 
shy about it. Uh, and they've, they've already made the first move with um, Joseph Suwali uh, coming over. And so, you know, this is them saying, well, uh, why don't we just hit back, do the same thing? They've, they've got a um, bit of interest from Mark Nguyen Suwasi uh, having a meeting with the Roosters. And um, this could be the narrative uh, going forward. And I think it just goes to show just how bullish the NRL about, are about taking on uh, Rugby Australia uh, face-to-face. You're a cross-coat star, rugby and AFL. You're, you're available? You're available if you want them to throw some cash? <laughs> no, I think I'm a bit, 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 bit past it for now. Oh, I, know, I mean, the way the world is going, maybe I'll have a shot. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't think I'm eligible. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, getting up for us nice and early, Jamie. Uh, rest up, get some kip, and uh, good luck covering the game tonight. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Cheers, mate. Talk soon.